We're continuing our series out of 2 Corinthians this morning. I, let me just, as an aside, uh, thank you for your attentiveness to God's Word always. We want to be a church that's spiritually engaging and scripturally thoughtful. And uh, I appreciate the way you're such wonderful students of, of God's Word. So many of you love Bible study and, and are just always hungry for not only more of God's presence, but more of God's Word. And I, I, some of you know that I do a weekly half-hour leadership podcast, and uh, we have just begun, uh, the past year has been pretty leadership-focused. It's largely geared towards pastors and, and ministry volunteers in a church, but uh, we are just starting, as of the podcast last Wednesday, walking through 1 Timothy, and then 2 Timothy, and then Titus, which are the pastoral epistles of the New Testament. And so if you, if you would like Bible study, I just encourage you, you might enjoy these. It still has application often to spiritual leaders, but, but, it, but we just started into the text of 1 Timothy chapter 1 in the, uh, in the episode that was released this past Wednesday. So you can find it at, on any podcast platform, the Jim Bradford podcast, or go to jimbradford.org, or you could find it through the Central Hub as well if you're interested in just Bible study. I love that about your hearts, the way you love God's Word. Uh, I've entitled this series out of 2 Corinthians, Gritty, Gritty Spirituality. And the subject of money can unfortunately be pretty gritty, if not offensive for some people. But that happens to be what Paul's talking about in chapter 8 and chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians. He's talking about an offering he's receiving for uh, the, the Jerusalem church. And he's, of course, in present-day Greece and writing to, to the Corinthian church in southern Greece. And so, so through other parts of the world, he's sort of raising an offering to help the great needs in the mother church back in Jerusalem. And uh, this, this money's not for Paul, but he's raising this offering so he can give it away to people in need. Now, when you go to the doctor and he pokes away and says, does this hurt? Does this hurt? Does it hurt here? Uh, if your answer is yes, it hurts, it's for one of two reasons. Either he poked too hard or there's something that needs healing underneath. And uh, that's sometimes, be careful how you react to this issue of money. It's an area that is a, an area of great spiritual battle for many people's lives. And Paul, like in the previous chapter we looked at last week, he's trying not to pork, poke too hard. And at one point, he just said, you know what? It's whatever you're willing to do. For, for God doesn't expect more than you have. But when it comes to this offering, just whatever you're willing to do. He, he's trying to lay out the importance of it and how it affects their money, but he's, he's trying not to poke too hard. We're going to see this in chapter 9, where he's going to shift the emphasis onto not what we let go of and give, but God's supply back towards us. And so verse 1 of chapter 9, same subject. He's still talking about this offering. There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, this offering I'm taking for the people in, in Judah. For I know your eagerness to help, and you have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, that's the northern province in Greece, telling them that since last year, you in Acacia, that's the province where Corinth was in, uh, you are ready to give. And so they're ready to give to this offering to the, to the saints in, in the church in Judea. And, and, and he, says, he said, I've been telling them up north about how willing you've been. And, and your enthusiasm inspired most of them to already start giving up north. 
And then in a classic case of trust but verify, he says in the next verse, I always smile when I read this verse, but I am sending the brothers, just in case, <laughs> I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting about this, about how much you're going to give uh, in this matter will not prove hollow, but that you may be ready as I said you would be. So we're going to back up. We're going to ease into this this morning. I thought this would be a good day to talk about what I call six common money mistakes because Paul's talking about their money, and Paul will pick up on the sixth one. Uh, But I forgot to put one in. I I forgot that to mention in my list that here in 2021, one of the biggest money mistakes you can make is waiting to December to buy your Christmas gifts. Now, knowing me, I will. And Steve Grant from KY3 and I were, and a few others of us were speaking at a promotional event for Evangel University two weekends ago in Southern California. So we were just flying on the way home. We flew out of Orange County Airport, out over the water. Steve was sitting right beside me. And we saw all those ships out there ourselves that you've been seeing in the news that can't get into the Long Beach Harbor and the LA Harbor to unload. And all, all, Steve was, uh, um, all Steve could say to me was two words, there's Christmas. <laughs> Sitting out on those container ships, and who knows if we'll ever get them. So don't wait till December to uh, buy your Christmas gifts. But on a little more serious note, here are six common money mistakes we make. Number one, spending more than you have. And you can say, well, that's a little brain dead. Of course, you don't want to do that. But credit cards make it very easy for us to spend more. Many, many people um, put money on credit cards that they can't pay off the next month. That's spending more than you have. And I'll tell you, the debt trap is a terrible trap. It'll make you somebody else's slave. And, and if possible, unless it's a real emergency, you don't want to spend more than you have. Or spending money just because you have it. I mean, I mean we need sales resistance. And, and we, we need to attach our money to to what's important, to values and to mission. Let's not spend money just because we have it. Okay, why not? Uh-uh. Or borrowing for highly depreciating items. So a highly depreciating item is you buy something and it's the kind of item that as soon as you walk out of the store and you were to try to sell that item, you'd only get half of what you just paid for. And if you put it on a credit card, you owe more than what it's even worth anymore. So so as much as possible, don't borrow for luxury items, for highly depreciating items. Um, or don't put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, some people buy their own company stock, and, and that's all they have in their retirement accounts. And uh, there have been times where companies have gone under, and there's nothing left. Why could you put all your eggs into one basket? You didn't diversify. Or not planning for the future. It's a biblical principle with your money to plan for the future. Some people say, well, well, if I'm living by faith, so I'm not going to plan by the future. No, that, that's living by laziness and carelessness. And, uh, you know, self-neglect is very different than self-denial. And biblical principles call us to manage well what God has entrusted us with. And it's good to save. It's good to prepare for retirement. It's good to do all of these things. Now, I'm not your financial planner. I'm your pastor. But uh, your financial planner may, however, not mention number six to you. And that's forgetting the power of generosity, which, which Paul just wants to unpack in a very dramatic way here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Forgetting that generosity 
which is actually letting money go and giving it away, having a generous spirit with your money um, is, is a potent principle. In fact, I think the principle of generosity in every area of our, life, our lives, time, money, relationships, every area, it's one of the most powerful principles in God's word. And it will help you live in God's supply, not just at a natural level, whereby you have a good job and you earn an income, but you, and that's part of God's supply. But there's also a supernatural dimension to God's supply that you unlock through generosity. And one of the mistakes we make with our money is thinking that I gotta keep it all for myself because there's not enough for anything else. Uh, and I gotta take care of me first. And, and we forget the power of generosity. So here's where Paul's gonna go now, picking up on that, that last point, the power of generosity. Paul is gonna talk about the power of generosity, first of all, and then he's gonna get to the pleasure of generosity, and finally he's gonna get to the propagating of generosity into your future. So I don't always preach sermons that all start with P, but there it is. The power of generosity, the pleasure of generosity, and the propagating of generosity, for those of you who love to take notes. Let's start with the power of generosity. Um, because it does open the, open the doors to God's abundance in our lives. And so the pivot verse of chapter 9, he gets to uh, uh, pretty soon in the chapter. After he does the trust but verify, I trust you're going to follow through, Corinthians, on your offering, but I'm going to send people down just, just in case you forget to do that. And then he lays out the power of generosity. Verse 6, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He's using agricultural metaphor. If you just sow a few seeds, you'll probably just get a few plants in return or a few sheaves of grain in return. But whoever sows generously, you decide to put in a lot of seeds, and it's just a principle. It works in the natural and it works in the supernatural. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, this kind of takes what your financial planner might say to you and reverses it. Normally, we would think that our inflow is what would determine our outflow. Here, Paul, with the principle of generosity, reverses that and says, no, in God's economy, not in Economics 101 but at college, but in God's economy, outflow profoundly affects inflow. And so he starts with outflow if what the number of seeds that you give away you brought in a harvest the previous year but you're not going to eat it all in an agricultural sense you're going to use some of it as seed to plant and if you want to eat most of your harvest and only plant a few seeds you're going to be starving a year from now but if you plant a lot of seeds uh, there's going to be a larger harvest in other words outflow your outflow profoundly affects the inflow that comes back into your life now, in, so, so, so let's just put those two titles up there. And uh, obviously, Paul's talking here about our finances. So first of all, in the area of our finances, so you've got to think, think money here. It, um, you know, a, a, stingy, a stingy version of generosity will result in a stingy dimension of flow back into your life. But if the outflow is generous, there actually can be, both with money and in other areas, the outflow, the inflow back. If you sow generously, you're going to also reap generously. Jesus 
talks about the exactly the same principle, but he's not talking about money. He's talking about relationships. In Luke 6, verse 7, and let's see these two columns and see how these verses fall into those two columns. Outflow first and then inflow. Outflow, do not judge. Inflow, and you will not be judged. See, the principle works everywhere. Don't condemn people. Get over your attitudes. Don't be always griping and complaining about everybody else. And somehow, you're going to find that even people's attitudes towards you are going to improve. There's going to be an inflow of improvement in how people treat you as you change how you treat them. This principle is at the heart of life. In your relationships, forgive and you will be forgiven. And then he says give, although the context here is not money, but it could apply that. But he says give and you, it will be given to you. And then he goes on in that same verse to say, for with the measure, you measure it out to people. God will use that same measure to give back to you. In fact, he says he will take that same measure and pat it down, get all the air pockets out of it, and you're gonna end up actually sometimes having an inflow that's greater than, than alpha. It's gonna be overflowing back to you. The same with our responsibilities in life. Galatians 6, verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. That's your outflow. And, and, and how many times is it, oh, I'm just tired of trying to encourage that person. I'm just tired of giving my money to these guys. I'm just tired of, of, of just being nice and trying to be good. And when's somebody going to do something good for me? And I'm just tired of inviting people over my house, taking people out for coffee. I'm just tired of trying to help my neighbor who's sick. I mean, we all get weary doing good, but that's our outflow. And he said, don't become weary in doing good for, and here's the generosity principle, here's the inflow result. For we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we don't give up. Don't give up on the outflow in your life, because God's going to somehow help you with the inflow. Same with our whole well-being, Proverbs 11, verse 25. Inflow, uh, I mean outflow, a generous person, inflow, will prosper. Uh, outflow, whoever refreshes others, inflow, will be refreshed. And then Paul actually, I mean, the Old Testament actually really deals with the, with the issue of tithing, so we're back to money again, or, or in the Old Testament, people's crops. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. This is the one-tenth. You honor the Lord. You recognize by giving the one-tenth back to God. Remember I quoted my friend last week, uh, hearts touched by God, just respond with a tenth. That's because we recognize that everything comes from God. And it's a way of honoring him back. And he said, give, bring the whole tenth into the storehouse, into, into the family of God, and see, this is the inflow back, see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And then he goes on in that verse and, and says, and even the, things, even the things you have, God has a way of protecting it from the enemy who wants to steal it from you. And so this is powerful, outflow and inflow. Um, about three years ago, we had a guest Sunday morning. I, I didn't recognize him in the service, but he's a friend of mine from a church I pastored on the West Coast. Sandy and I know he and his family well. And, and so he attended our church and, and, uh, and, and, asked, and we had lunch with him after church, just somewhere here in downtown Springfield after church. And we just had a wonderful conversation. And he, he used to be 
one of our elected board members. You saw three of our board members on the video earlier. He was one of our elected board members. And one of the conditions to being nominated as a board member is you tithe to the church. That's, that's, that's a condition. I personally don't look at what people give. Um, my, our accountants verify that if I need that verified, but I don't see what you give. I don't want that to color anything. I'm not after your money. Uh, God's after your heart, and that's what I want to nourish. But, um, but, uh, but we do ask nominees, as we do here too, on that church, we ask them to tithe. Well, my friend, he, uh, I remember when he was on the board, he left his business, he was a lighting engineer, and he left his business and started his own company. He was very good at what he does. If you walk into a Cheesecake Factory restaurant today, or many other restaurants, you'll see his genius if you look at the lighting. He designed all of that stuff, and he went on his own. But it's tough starting your own business. I remember praying with him. And, and so he, he, over lunch, after being in service with us just out here about three years ago, he, he, he started telling me a backstory that I didn't know about it. And partly he was wanting to confess to me that even though he was a board member, with starting his business, he decided he didn't have enough for what he needed and to give his tithe. And so he stopped tithing. He said this to me across the table. He said, I'm sorry to say this, Pastor, but I stopped tithing. I, I, I stopped giving. I, I just felt like I needed it all for me and for my new business. I could understand. It's very stressful starting a new business. And, and he said, I started to hire some employees, but I just, just started to have these problems with people. And I forget all the details of what happened, but if I could wrap it up into a nutshell, he said, I, I just felt like I started living under a scarcity of some kind. And he began to tell me the story of how God turned, and turned his heart around. And, and he said, I knew that I just needed to take a step of faith. I needed to start giving to God what I used to give him. And it would be like an act of faith that his inflow, I could start living more dependently on his inflow again. Plus, what I was doing wasn't working. And one of the things that amazed me, he told me an amazing story of the turnaround in his company but the other thing was, of the hour and a half we spent over lunch, he probably spent half hour of that time just talking to me about how excited he is about tithing. I have not talked to somebody that excited. While confessing to his former pastor his failures, he was so turned on about what he was giving away and what joy there was in living in God's inflow. And that's why he goes from the power of generosity, Paul next, to the pleasure of generosity. Because all of a sudden, after saying, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, he who sows generously will reap generously, he says, and each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. This is verse seven. This is the pleasure now. This is, and here he's not trying to poke too hard. He's saying, look, you know, you know, I have a lot of concern for those people back in Jerusalem, and we really need to take a great offering for them. But he said, he said, but you know what? It's up to you. You don't have to be generous. He said, just, just do what you, whatever you decide. Just do what you decide. Because um, God doesn't like people being manipulated into giving. God doesn't like people being guilted into giving. God loves a cheerful giver. And yes, that word cheerful can be translated hilarious. 
pre-COVID when we used to pass baskets uh, for offering, I was occasionally in a church when I was traveling a lot. I was occasionally in a church. The pastor would get up and say, it's time for the offering, and everybody would break out in applause and cheers. Hallelujah, we get to give our money away. I'm sure non-Christians thought, what is wrong with these people? Except secular philanthropists and even secular corporations, I have heard them talk about, we, we can't quite put our finger on it, but, but if we begin giving to needs in our community, it's like, it's hard to figure how this happens, but somehow we just seem to benefit back, and it seems to give them a joy. We don't, look, if you don't want to give, don't give. I mean, it's up to you whether you want to live in scarcity or not, but if you, if you don't want to give, you know what? He's saying, just do what you decide to do. This really is between you and God. No pressure from anybody else. But here's what God loves. Here's his gold standard, that you could give with hilarity in your heart because you love you love what Jesus has done for you. You love how he set you free, and you love how you can change the world and how God can transform dollars into changed lives as you invest them in his work and care for those who are needy. This is the powerful part of it. So he's talked about the, gener- the power of generosity, and that is our outflow actually affects our inflow. Uh, and, then, and then he talks about the pleasure of generosity, that, 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 that we're not guilted into this, but just Give with joy and give whatever you decide. Just, I mean, and so Paul's not poking really hard here. He's just, he's just being wonderful with us, actually. But then he will go, he will go to the perpetuating of generosity. And, and, and this kind of wins our hearts to want to just give more with joy. Because he says in verse 8, and God is able to bless you abundantly. And God, and this is inflow now. This is inflow. He said, outflow, just whatever you decide. Don't feel guilted into this. But on the inflow side, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. And I feel if we're generous with our time, He may bless us financially back. If we're generous with our finances, he may bless us in non-material financial ways. You you can't put God in a box, but he said there is just something about the welfare of our lives that is affected by the outflow because the inflow is something that God begins to superintend. I think there is a place where all of us can begin walking in the supernatural dimension of God's supply. And notice he gives the why behind the what, so that you will abound in every good work. And he, he explains that in, in, in verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower, speaking about the Lord, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And you, and here's the why again, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. He was saying the, the inflow back to you happens not just because of the power of the principle of generosity, but it comes. He inflows back to you 
in ways that will, you've just planted your seed, so that means you don't have any temporarily. He's got a way of giving you back more seed, of multiplying your harvest so you have more to give. Here's the principle. We don't give to get. We give to give. We give to say, God, I'm just going to trust you that as I sow my seed, as I give, as I'm generous with my time and my, my dollars and generous with my heart and generous with my energies and, and really want to just not live a self-fixated life but just be alive to you and making a difference, your inflow lets me continue to be generous. So let's read that. I love that. Praise God over there. Someone over there is getting it. Praise God. Let's read again, verse 11. You will be enriched in every way so that, why? You can have more for yourself? No. So that you can be generous on every occasion. God just has a a vested interest because he's using you to change the world. He's got a vested interest in you staying generous. And so generosity sometime, somehow locks in this supernatural dimension of God's flow back to you so that you can be generous on every occasion in your future so that you have enough to meet the needs that come and that move your heart so that your time and, and your finances can be multiplied. As a student, a lot of our college students are on spring break this weekend, but, but as a college student, I found this with my time. I was leading a small Bible study. We hadn't had our breakthrough, 12 people. And I remember sometimes on a Sunday night looking over the week. I was a full-time PhD student looking over the week and saying, God, I do not have time to lead that Bible study or get ready for it. God, I, I, just, I, I just don't have time. But I remember by God's grace just saying, but Lord, I'm not going to make that a last priority. You're always the first priority. What you are doing in people's lives is always the first priority. And I'm going to trust you. Even if I don't get sleep a few nights, I'm going to trust you that I'll get everything I need done, done this week. And that ha- I remember distinctly twice that happening on a Sunday night. Monday morning, three classes in a row, without any reason giving, the first professor said, you know that homework assignment due on Friday? Let's make it due next Monday. No explanation. I walked into the second. You know the midterm that's scheduled for a week from Wednesday? I'm just going to delay that a week, and it'll be two weeks from Wednesday. I walked into third class. You know that paper that's due? Why don't you have another week on it? I mean, and I walked. I'm not exaggerating. I walked out of those classes two different times on the very weeks where I just felt like I couldn't afford to put God first. And I need to keep all my time for me. Two times I walked, that, ha- that, that exact thing happened twice to me. The first three classes on Monday morning, God sovereignly and supernaturally rearranged my schedule and gave me time back so I could continue to serve him. And I walked out of those classes both times thinking, and I've seen people healed, I've seen people delivered, I've seen things. But I knew when I walked out of those classes that I just saw a miracle. When do three professors, and I know some of you are professors, great to see Dr. Debbie Gill here again and and others of you. When God just changes three professors' minds about due dates in a row, unprompted for no reason, you've just seen a miracle. You've just seen God supply back seed to the sower so that you can continue to be generous. I had time to lead that Bible study. And later, that Bible study 
saw a supernatural breakthrough. That's why I'm in the ministry today, because of that day when, that one evening when we grew from 12 to 65 and then on. I'm so glad. I'm so glad I hung in there. I'm so glad God helped me not to be weary in well-doing. Because he said, it, it, it comes. And, and I've seen the same with money. I've seen the same. So many of you have told me stories in your own life. I, I just trusted God. I had this need. And I just felt like God told me that there was a missionary that had need. Or I knew of something in the church. Man, in our debt reduction, paying off our mortgage. I mean, a few years ago, we owed $4 million. Now, now we only owe 700000 Thank God. We'll be out of debt, I think, by next year. Why? Because you've just been generous. And generosity changes the world. But here's the great, the great point in chapter 9 that Paul wants to make. Generosity also means God's going to throw heaven behind you. And, he, and he's just invested in you staying generous. So your outflow doesn't deplete you. Your outflow actually may increase your inflow. And God has a way of doing this. So I want to go back as we close to, the, to two verses in the previous chapter where Paul started talking about this. And it's 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7. So since you excel in everything, in faith and speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. That's a good call to us. Then two verses later, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus. And it all comes back to Jesus, the supplier for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich as the God of heaven and earth, the creator of everything, here comes outflow, yet for your sake he became poor. Oh, the generosity of Jesus for us. For your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might be rich. And Jesus gets a church because of what he did. Jesus somehow, I don't know why this is great to him, except he loves us so much. Jesus gets a living church, people who love him and know him and serve him and partner with him. Even though he said the inflow comes to you, the outflow came from Jesus, but the inflow comes back to you. And he makes you rich with forgiveness, with hope, with the, his resurrection spirit. And so... And so the principle of generosity doesn't, doesn't take place in a vacuum. The principle of generosity is rooted in the very character and DNA of Jesus himself, who actually did this. And I, in good conscience, preach about generosity because I actually do this. And I'm looking at many of you, and I know you actually do this. But even more than what I do or you do, it all started with what Jesus did. He was rich, outflow, became poor. He just gave it all for you and me, knowing we might even say no to him so the inflow could come back. I'd like you to stand with me if you would. Maybe you need to start a relationship with Jesus, and I want to make sure you understand this. I, 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 I know God wants you to surrender your time to him, surrender your money to him, surrender your whole life to him. But he's not, first of all, after your money or your time. He's after you, your heart. And, and he's worthy of everything because he became poor for you so that you could be rich in his life and grace. And it starts there. It doesn't start with giving in an offering or putting another volunteer event on your calendar. It starts with him in your heart and saying, Jesus, there. 
and, and you're here today and you just want to start. Your, your heart's not right with God today. But you just want to wave at me till I, I, I just get my attention. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm going to pray for you. You say, Pastor Jim, I, I need to take a step to Jesus today. I, I need his forgiveness. My heart's not right. Things just aren't right in my life with Jesus right now. But if he did that for me, I, 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 I want to come under his inflow into my life. And uh, you just wave your hand at me just for a moment. I just want you to acknowledge that. It's the most important decision you'll make. You're ready today. To say, Lord Jesus, I want to give my life to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we just pray that you'll come wherever you're working in our hearts. All of those right now, just opening their hearts to you in Jesus' name. Just, just we start there. We don't start with our money or our calendar book. We start right there with us. You are worthy of our hearts. You're worthy of everything. You're worthy of our lives. And we praise you. And we honor you and thank you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. We have just a few moments, uh, and Pastor Josh is going to lead us in a little word. Let's just wait on the Lord. If you'd like to come up and kneel at the front, sometimes when we're saying, Lord, here I am, just fresh availability to God, sometimes it's even good even to take a step. If you want, I'd rather you not crowd because of COVID, but but if you want to come even and just space out and stand here or stand in the aisle or come and kneel and just make yourself available or stay where you are. But we just want to spend the next few moments just making ourselves available to him and saying, thank you, Lord, that you gave everything for us. And Lord, speak to us about what you're asking of us next as your spirit fills our lives in Jesus' name.